Hello, and welcome to the final episode of the five-year reunion. I'm Emily Cherish. We're finishing off this eight-part series in Newtown. To start this episode, I'm going to be going to a few extra special places in Newtown that I always loved growing up, starting with the best place to buy your fabrics. Let's do a walk around. Lie down, right? This is the fabric I saw the first day I worked here, and I fell in love with it. It's beautiful, isn't it? Wow. It's so groovy. That's, can you describe orange, it? Orange is my favorite color, mm. but it's got orange, pink, green. It's got big, chunky squares. Hi, I'm Carrie, and I work at Chins and Prince. Chins and Prince is a fabric store that specializes in upholstery. Anything for home decorating, chairs, furniture, curtains, and a lot of people come in also for um, fabric for clothing or different craft projects. The current owner is Laura. Her grandparents opened this business in 1957. Then her parents worked here, and she grew up in this store. She knows everything about fabric. I love working for her because I learned so much from her, and she has good ideas, and she helps the customers that come in here to make their dreams into reality, what they have in mind. We get a lot of people who are making movies or TV shows. We get calls and we get visits from people from California all the way to this side. HBO, we have um, Netflix, Ozark, The Good Nurse, Marvelous Miss Maisel. If you look at these shows and you look at their fabrics and their curtains, you'll see our fabric. From So it's kind of neat. That yeah. is so cool. Wow. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the things coming up that you're excited for? Well, The Good Nurse, I can't wait to see because we, we did a lot of work um, because there's not that many fabric stores that offer vintage fabrics like we have. So when they come in, they see the fabric and they're like, wow, you know, this will be great for, you know, a 1970s period piece. So you can walk through this store and find vintage fabrics from all different eras. We run through here with them and sometimes it's a couple hours just taking little samples of pieces and then numbering them so they can bring them back to California and then call us and say, okay, we want, you know, 10 yards of number 57. It gets gets a little crazy, but it's exciting. It's like a a labyrinth in here. It really is. (laughs) It goes on forever. We have a front room and a back room. Then when you think you've seen it all, then you enter the back room and you say, wow, this goes on forever. And honestly, we hear that Almost every day, new people that come in will, will say, oh my gosh, this store is so big, I just can't believe it. And I say, you know what, send up a flare if you need help, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because you can almost get lost in here. It's just yeah. so much to see. And it, if, if it's people who appreciate fabric and different time periods, you can really enjoy yourself in this store. I love the fabric. I, I think it's, you know, Greg Brady could decorate his whole room with some of the things we have in here are so groovy from the 70s. And, and I think that's fun. I like that era. Chins and Prints uh, has a Facebook page and also an Instagram. And we have a website. It's www.chinsandprints.com. We are at 39 South Main Street in Newtown. After finishing up at Chins and Prints, I headed over to meet my first classmate for this episode. I've never talked to this classmate before, so let's get into it. You gotta do it. Yeah, we're in the Subaru taking yeah. dabs. It's it's, it's it's a lifestyle, you know. I mean, if that's one thing Newtown gave me though, is um dabs. Those kids I s- I'm Adam Robertson. I uh I went to Newtown with uh Emily. Um we're in Shelton right now, my apartment. Came home from work and 
Yeah, we're here chilling we are. in the car. Yeah, we're chilling in the car. <laughs> so nice I really don't on. think you and I have like ever physically talked. We've been in like peripheral circles. But I think so. I moved back from Utah about a couple months ago. What were you doing in Utah? Uh, I was building houses. Oh, Again, wow. my uh, my father owned a company out there, and I moved out there for the year, actually all of 2020, just to get out of Connecticut for COVID because uh, there was no, you know, no work. Mm. I, I just like to build. I, I realize that building is an outlet. It's, it, it feels good to put something together and just be like, you know, I did that, mm. you know, like it's, mm. it, it's really, it's rewarding and, um, pays very well and can't have a complaint there. I, I you know, yeah. gotta have a smile when you go to work, you know, it's, it's the best feeling ever. So I had a, you know, couple tough years fall back, but I ended up moving to Utah and keeping my strive for building. I mean, I'm, it's nothing I am ashamed of or would keep a secret. After high school, and we, we uh, I got arrested with a buddy of mine. I got arrested a couple times, I guess, but within a short amount of time. I was partying a lot and um, just making stupid decisions. Like, an old buddy of mine, he was chilling with the wrong people, too. And we were, what, a year out of high school? I got arrested with... Uh, his friend had an illegal gun on him. I had a bunch of just dabs and right. weed in the car. That was the minor. They didn't. That's all gone and mm. stuff. And um, but the gun was stolen, and we were all in my car. We were just smoking weed like kids. Who the fuck? Cares? And a cop pulled up because I was parked, I guess, the wrong way. The neighbor called, and uh, cops pulled up. So I was like, oh shit. Yeah. And then we were like, oh shit. <laughs> like really, oh shit. So smoked the blunt, and then they sent us to jail. And Wow. Uh, they let us finish our blunt, though. That was cool. Okay, that's actually I'll nice. give that. Shout out, uh, Norwalk Police. None of us said anything. We just sat and waited, and took. it took me three years to actually get it off of my record. Um, but, uh, yeah, we spent, you know, some time in jail. It was, it's uh, boring. Yeah. It's not like the Shacey on TV. It's not. It orange is. is the new it, black. It, it is, and it sure as shit can be. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. Orange is the new black. You've seen that? Hmm. It can be. A hundred percent. I could turn to that in five seconds, but everybody respects each other enough mm. to keep their space and everybody wants to get out of there. You all share the same thing. This sucks. And that's it. You know, people are selling drugs in there. People are, you know, you got, you got drugs in there. Jail, jail's just, it's just a pastime. I read more books in jail actually than I did in high school. I read four books front to back and, uh, loved them all. Which was your favorite? Brain. By I can't remember the artist. It was or artist. Do you hear me? <laughs> artist. Author. It was the best thing to pass time. Yeah. Weeks, months went by really quick. So, um, but since then, that was my biggest mix-up. How long were you in there for? Um, man, I did a bunch of time, in and out. Uh, a couple months, just a couple months. Yeah. Spread okay. out. Yeah, Over time. I guess I got out the first time. My mother bailed me out. Uh, I went back. I'm not even gonna let my mother hear this because yeah. she didn't know I went back. I didn't want to tell her, <laughs> okay. but because uh, I, I got arrested in between court dates, I went back for another three weeks or, or a month actually at that time. When you're behind concrete, you're just ready to go to sleep every day. You're. Some people might count the days if you're a real sicko, mm. <laughs> but like, how do you power through that, like emotionally? Um, with a smile on your face. I don't know how many people can just put a smile on your face and laugh about it because everything is temporary. Nothing's permanent, no matter how you look at it. I just smiled and waited. I knew it would be temporary. I mean, 
I, I've wasted a lot of time when I was younger. I, I've been in trouble. I'm. You get what you deserve. Once you can accept whatever it may be, you you can wait. Yeah. You can really wait. I I think it it completely shaped me. I have a smile Monday at 7 a.m. when I got to wake up just because I'm waking up in my own bed. Mm. You know, I'm not in a jail cell or I'm not homeless or I love it. Freshman year in high school, my friend Chris Mulligan and I were chilling for you know months and months and months on end and he ended up getting hit by a truck and, and dying and um, in the same week I got picked up and found since I was missing. My father snatched me up with a couple of his homies and I moved to Vermont, basically, unwillingly. Where yeah. were you missing? Just all over. I was sneaking around Newtown, just yeah. sleeping in the park, smoking weed, and like, like an idiot, just like a young kid, you know? And uh, sleeping in Chris's attic, sneaking by his parents. But I ended up getting caught. And I moved to Vermont Well, I lived up there for nine months. But for the first two months, I had no phone. My dad took all my shoes, so I couldn't run. And then he got a job in New York. I just started high school. He left. He was supposed to come back on the weekends and give me food. I, I lived alone for like seven or six months. I was 14. I don't know if they thought Billy was living up there or what, my father, but I was going to school, selling weed, I was growing weed. I had a half-built house I was living in, had just electricity, no heat. It was a fireplace downstairs, middle of the winter. And where is your father at he, this point? In New York. Wow. I even caught him one time. He lied and said that he was still in New York, and I caught him on a Red Bull post on YouTube when they brought one of the Toyo trucks to the main face, and they were ripping the truck up the mountain, he was in the Red Bull video, in the front of the crowd with a beer, clear as day. He, he used to lie to me about coming back to Vermont. I don't know how or why he could do that to someone. And uh, one time he came back with his girlfriend, and then she left her car there. And they were like, all right, we're going to New York. Well, they went to New York, <laughs> and I had a Saturn Ion. It was stick. It was a five-speed. I taught myself how to drive standard, <laughs> so we used to, I used to steal the car and drive all over Vermont while I drove that to school for a little while, and I let my, my keys fell out of my pocket in gym class. I, I was friends with a couple girls, they were all cool as hell, just the weed smoking girls. You know, my keys fell out of my pocket in gym, because I couldn't put them anywhere, I didn't have a how backpack. How old are you at this time? 14. Wow. Remember being 14? <laughs> not not this type of 14. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, this time. <laughs> yeah. So, I uh, my keys fell out of the pocket. She was like... <laughs> she's like, you don't drive. And I was like, what do you... I was like, shut up. She like knew it because me and her were in the car the night before. I took her and Carissa. We were at Corinthia. We were smoking blunts and drinking Four loco. I was... F I fucked... I can't even believe that, actually, now that I even <laughs> think about that. And But the gym teacher was like, yeah, Adam, you don't drive either. Like, I know you don't drive. You're 14 years old. Mm. And the gym teacher was the town cop. So I ran. I was like, you're right. I don't. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know what else to do. And I was like, shit. I was like, my keys to get in the house. Are in school. I come back to the school and they were like, you know, the, the cops were there. I was like, oh, shit. So they're like, where's your, you know, what are you doing? Whose car is that? I was like, nobody's car. And they found the car outside and. 
because I parked it at the library right next door and that's when they got the question in, you know, where are your parents? And I was like, well, I live with my dad. And they're like, where's he? I'm like, New York, who you live with? Well, nobody, myself. So cops didn't arrest me for stealing the car and driving to school. They bought me pizza and Pepsi. I might still have pictures of it still. Shout uh, out cops. <laughs> shout out cops in Vermont. <laughs> they bought me pizza. They bought me dinner. Yeah, that was that was my freshman year. <laughs> what are some things that are positive right now? Positive right now. Yeah. Um, the good friends and everybody that I've trusted the most is still around. Um, I have a dream job. I. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just happy every day. I don't. I don't know what else I could really ask for. I mean. I mean. I have a beautiful girlfriend. I. She's I, great. Um, yeah. Met her. I, met her a couple an hour. Yeah. Ago. <laughs> yeah. <had laughs> a couple, you know, say hello. Yeah. She's yeah. like the nicest. Oh, she's an angel. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I hope everybody finds the same because. I'm good. Yeah. I'm content. Yeah. yeah. Come home every day to work to, a girlfriend like that. I mean, she makes me a lunch every day. Oh, that's nice. Bro. Yeah. That's everything. It's, that is, your heart is warm. Mm. You know, it's the best. Her, her family gave her a hard time when she first met me. They knew all about it, but mm. she, um, she's been through me with, with all of it and hard money times. And, but we, you know, we, we go out on dates, you know, when, whenever we got the time, we both work full time. Yeah. You know, we like food. Sure. She, like food, you know, she's a hairdresser. She cuts my hair all the time. So it, I was like, like, just like admiring. Yeah. The cut. I don't know. It looks so That's good. That's her. That's all her. Wow. She, yeah. So she, uh, Salam Massimo, go Great. to Brantford. <laughs> I got a cute ass dog. You know, he's everything. I got family. You know, what else? There's, yeah. Everything's positive. Absolutely. Everything's positive. Shout out to everybody. Even if you don't know me, I mean, I hope you wake up with a smile. I mean, everything's temporary. Tomorrow's awesome. Shout out everybody. <laughs> my second business spotlight is my BFF Evan. Evan from earlier on in the series, his family owns a catering business that we would always go to growing up. I have a lot of memories there and I just love the food. Fresh food, not fast food is our motto. Um, you know what, Frank? I just went through the whole damn thing. It is our motto? It is our motto. I had no idea. So my name is Frank DiGirolamo, and I have a catering business in Newtown, Connecticut for the past six years. Previously, we were in Danbury, Connecticut, where we had a restaurant for 28 years. It's called Nick's Catering. It's on 31 Pex Lane in Newtown, Connecticut. We have a big Italian family, and food was always the center of everything. So I, I'm in partnership with my brother uh, for the past six years. He handles most of the paperwork and day-to-day -day operations, and I do a lot of the cooking and, and coordinating of events. Hi, I'm Debbie DiGirolamo. I am the social media coordinator for Nick's Catering, and I'm Frank's wife. <laughs> we also cater for schools, a lot of private schools in Danbury and in the immediate area. But when COVID hit, we had to pivot and make some changes because obviously people were not gathering. Doctor's offices were not having events for their staff. It was a complete shutdown for us, so we had to pivot. We ended up getting into the farmer's market in Newtown, which created a whole new wave for us. We would create individual meals that were $10 each, and people could come to the market, buy these meals that were made fresh and chilled. They could take them home, heat them up, serve them that night, or freeze them. Family dynamic is interesting. Um, Frank and Vic 
live near each other. They work with each other. Um, they've been doing it for over 30 years, and it just works. The family does an annual tomato sauce canning. This includes the immediate family and cousins. They get together. They purchase bushels of tomatoes. Um, everything is done by hand. There is a tomato grinder, etc. Um, and it just is a big family event. Even the kids have been doing it since they were little. And it's fresh tomato sauce for the rest of the year. So we are on Facebook. You can find us at Nick's Restaurant CT. We're also in a small corporate complex. So we actually do lunches daily, which a lot of people don't know. But we do this to accommodate the corporate park. And anyone can come in and order or purchase a lunch at any time. Actually, on Facebook, we will usually post our lunch specials on a Monday. We pick them up anytime between 10 and 1. Then we have our regular catering, um, which would be for any kind of party event. You know, this this is our busy season in the spring. We have a lot of all different events. After finishing up with the D's, I headed to the place that's probably my favorite place to just go and sit. I think it's definitely the prettiest place in Newtown, if not anywhere I've ever been. This place is just really special and has a lot of meaning. So I sat down with the creator of the foundation. My name is Jenny Hubbard. We are at the Catherine Violet Hubbard Animal Sanctuary. The sanctuary was created uh, in honor of Catherine, my daughter, who was one of the first graders lost in the Sandy Hook tragedy. Um, The sanctuary was really kind of a mistake. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so the sanctuary, when we when we had to write Catherine's obituary, we had thought that we would give donations to the pound. If you remember the the pound, the animal I do, control center used to be at the dump. Yes, <laughs> it did. Yes. So Catherine, um, she and her dad would go to the dump, and they would make a pit stop. At the, at the animal control center to see the dog. So we thought, what a great way to honor her life because Catherine just loved animals. And uh, we left out the word control. Hmm. So we asked in lieu of flowers donations to go to the animal center of Newtown. Um, and there was actually an animal center of Newtown. Wow. <laughs> so the animal center of Newtown came to us. They had said we received a significant amount of money, over 100000 Wow. Um, in a matter of two or three weeks. And um, we decided that it was the best way to honor Catherine's life and her legacy and her love of animals was to um, create the Catherine Violet Hubbard Animal Sanctuary. So what we do at the sanctuary is a little bit different than how most people think a sanctuary is. We're a sanctuary in the traditional sense, a place of healing and a place of compassion. We operate on those things that Catherine believed in, and she believed that All animals needed to live free from harm. We keep native wildlife in nature. And eventually, when the sanctuary has a building and a caretaker, we'll keep domestic farm animals um, at the sanctuary. Wow. Property was conveyed to us uh, in 2014. It was part of the state, the across the street, back by Reed School and the Horse Guard. That was all farmland. So the sanctuary is part of that farmland. So it sits up at the top of the hill. It's meadows up this crazy dirt road um, and it just opens up to meadowland Um, we have done a lot of work a lot of reclaiming of the land so we really pulled back all the invasives and we restored habitats we've refinished the barn we built paddocks we have a a community garden that's actually farmed 
Um, and we have, we call it the pavilion sculpture. Hmm. It's this metal frame. It really is symbolic that most people don't know. Um, we've kind of kept it a secret, but I'll, I'll share it with you. The essence of what we do is honor that human-animal bond. So when the plans were shared with us, the architects had designed two buildings. You'll go left to the human building. We'll do educational. We'll have our offices. We're going to have a cafe. And if you go to the right, you're going to go into a vet clinic. And all of our animals and animals that need help can come to the vet clinic. And then the pavilion is the only part of the sanctuary that will have red terracotta tiles. And they said it is symbolic of Catherine. And she is the gateway. She will welcome humans and animals alike because the colonnades that will come out from the pavilion connecting the two buildings will be her arms so we said yes we're in (laughs) perfect that area before it was what it is now i used to do cross country yeah we would run up to the barn and run back and that was like i always thought to myself like this is the prettiest place on earth can you describe Catherine? Catherine was um she was your typical little redhead uh, if you can picture the kids, I'm sure you can. She was the little redhead with the hair yeah. that kind of flipped out. She was fiery and she was stubborn and she was determined to do things faster and better than her brother. <laughs> but at the same time, she was she was quiet and she was gentle and she was shy as anything. She was the kid that if she was with her friends and she had she had a lot of little girlfriends, mm. um, but she was always the one that sort of stood behind everybody. She did not like the attention. Just fiercely, fiercely passionate about animals. There's a couple ways that people can help with the foundation. Share and like our story. Uh, we're on Facebook, Catherine Violet Hubbard Animal Sanctuary, and we're on Instagram, CVH Animal Sanctuary. Or you can just, when you're home, come to the sanctuary. You can visit, be a part of our programs. There's so many different ways to get involved and and you can just learn more about what we do and how you can get involved in something that intrigues you at cvhfoundation.org. To conclude this series, I decided to answer some of the questions I asked my classmates. So let's do it. What's going on today? Today, I am in Alaska sitting in the car that the university gave me. So I'm producing a podcast for the University of Alaska for their marketing department um, so they can give like prospective students an insight as to what class and life is like at the university. So I'm producing that podcast. It's been a really formative experience, I'd say, in that I this is the first time that I've been like legit alone for two months. Like I didn't come out to Alaska with anybody. Like, I wasn't with a team of people. I'm the nature of my work. I'm working alone on all of these things. So, I think like there's been a lot of time to think. (laughs) And also, like, the state of Alaska is, is by design where people just go and reflect for hours and hours. It's just like a different, like, slice of life, which is. It's an honor to be able to observe it and to be able to document it via this podcast project. I've been doing podcast stuff for like probably a year, but this is the first one that like flew me out and gave me a car and like did all this businessy stuff. I was given a lot of opportunity to like meet just people that I would have never in a thousand, literally thousands of years have met and to hear where they're coming from and to hear how they like ended up here is like pretty 
pretty amazing. The particular university that I'm working for is one of the most interesting places I've ever been, honestly. Like, I'm not a very collegiate person. I did poorly in academics, but they have the smartest people and the most amazing resources, but zero pretentiousness. It's it's a pretty incredible thing. What are some things that I want for myself in the future? I think before I came here, before I came to Alaska, there was a lot of things that I thought I wanted that I, like, had to pursue in order to be happy. And now that I'm here... I feel like I got a lot that I wanted out of this trip and out of this out of this project. And I'm like, oh, after this after this trip, I feel my professional ambitions have been like. I don't know if fulfilled is a good word. (laughs) But a lot of what I wanted, like professionally, has been fulfilled with this trip. You know, I got to travel and have like all my stuff covered and do a really cool podcast with total creative control and meet people I would have never met and go here and there and all this and now I'm like oh okay so what next I'm figuring out that work is a lesser part of my identity than I thought it would be even when I'm having like successes it feels that I need more. I need more than just like being good at something or I need I need the balance. What's changed since high school? I guess the biggest thing I can think of that's like measurable in my head would be like openness around sexuality. That seems like a pretty obvious one to me. I'd say in high school I was not out. I was very private. I still am I still am pretty private about that, but talking on the podcast but (laughs) yeah I don't know I thought that would always be something that I would be rejected for if people like knew that about me and even now I try to not make that like a big part of my personality a definite change would be just like having more comfort around that and even like I'm dating my girlfriend and that's like something I thought I would just never be able to do like have a girlfriend in high school like it wasn't possible for me to say say it out loud I guess was just like so hard to do all the good parts of being gay is like having a girlfriend and like living with her and being in a relationship like that was so out of reach in high school that's a product of such a big change so I have a girlfriend now her name's Lauren she's literally amazing and so smart and interesting and just like the greatest person who are my best friends right now I hmm, in the past five years since high school I've met some pretty incredible people people that have come out of nowhere swooped in and changed the way I think about things my girls from China who I live with during quarantine Jesse and Hua Hua Yushi they have 1000% changed my life my best friends the girls that I lived with at New Paltz after I transferred, they intercepted me at a very low point in life and showed me, you know, acceptance and friendship and having a good time. And I will always have a special place for them. I have a lot of great friends in the city. I think that's something that shouldn't be taken for granted either because it's just so easy to not make friends. I've just found some really quality people that I can talk to and be with and I think the people I have in my life are pretty incredible. First of all, one of my best friends is the 90-year-old woman I used to live with. She just me and her just have a connection. This is the voicemail that she left me the other day. 
Hello, Emily. I called you back because I felt you were feeling lonely. Where are you? In a bar drinking? <laughs> oh, Emily, dear. I miss you. Tavia. This concludes this season of the five-year reunion. I've really enjoyed making this podcast, so thank you so much to everyone who participated, everyone who helped out with this production. It was really awesome to see just the range of people's lives who share the commonality of graduating from high school with me. Um, Also to know, our class lost quite a few people since graduation, so I'm thinking about them, I'm thinking about their families and their friends. As a listener, I hope you got a glimpse into the variation and personality of my high school class. As I said, I still feel very connected to Newtown and its people, so it's meant a lot to me to be able to capture where people are at in 2021. So that's it for now. I'm Emily Cherish, and I'll see you at the 10-year reunion.